You've heard the phrase, first impressions are everything, so if I throw out this term, sustainable beef, what comes to mind? When I used to hear the term sustainability, it was usually out of the mouth of somebody that was either opposed to beef production in general or mm -hmm. or it was a, a niche market trying to promote in the beef industry, trying to promote their specific production system over beef. Today, three cattle ranchers join me as we have a roundtable discussion about sustainability and what it means to you and I, those of us in ranching literally at the grassroots level doing it every day. My guests are Steve Wooten from Colorado, Mike Williams from California, and Debbie Lyons-Blythe from Kansas. Taking care of the land and the cattle and the people and finance making money is really the foundation of what sustainability is in America. And that is what makes American beef the most sustainable in the world. Join us on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. We welcome you back here again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us. This is episode 71. We are coming to you all the way, as we do every week, from the deep, dark hollers of northeastern Wyoming. Actually, we really don't have deep, dark hollers here as uh, where our ranch sits here. Uh, we are just on the western edge of the Black Hills. In fact, literally, folks, my house is just in the trees, what I would literally call the edge of the Black Hills of Wyoming. Uh, as it stretches over into South Dakota as well. But nevertheless, uh, as we kind of come out of a weekend where we got some snow. Now, uh, we're not. it's not a far-fetched thing to get snow in Wyoming in May, but uh, it's always kind of put you in a little bit of a lurch for us. We calve in May, so we're right in the middle of calving. We're just approaching uh, maybe a little over the halfway mark of calving, and uh, you hate to have to go through those kind of conditions when you got new calves on the ground. But uh, nevertheless, it's what ranching is it's what we deal with and, and we're out there dealing with it so on our program today we're going to be talking about sustainability and uh, more specifically sustainable beef uh, and and the product that we end up selling to producers across the country and really that term though we've had uh, folks on our show in the past in fact if you if you want to go back in some of our previous shows episode 22 was with Dr. Frank Mittlerner out of UC Davis where we were talking about the impacts that uh, cattle have on climate and sometimes we really get put in the crosshairs of you know agriculture is harmful to the environment well with that particular interview that I did with Dr. Frank Mittlerner he really has some great knowledge some great uh, evidence in there that shows that what we do in ranching can be very, very beneficial to our climate. Then in episode 43, Dr. Kim Stackhouse Lawson from Colorado State University joined us as we talked about sustainability as well. Today, though, we're going to go the direction as we have three ranchers joining me, and we're going to be talking about what that means to them. Now, all three of these folks sit on the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, and uh, we're going to talk about what that particular organization is doing in their efforts to try to get the the ranching industry understanding that and and as i said in the opening what was your first impression when you think of sustainability and and i know for so many folks in our business there's probably a lot of negative connotations but i think also you know really 
there's a part of that that we've been doing all along. It's just how we embrace it and how we want to view that. And so I'm pleased to have today with us Debbie Lyons-Blythe, who's with Blythe Family Farms out of White City, Kansas. She will be joining us. She's the current chairperson of the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Also joining us will be Steve Wooten with Beatty Canyon Ranch out of Kim, Colorado. He's their previous chairman. And Mike Williams with Diamond W. Cattle Company out of Los Angeles County, California. So we've got uh, folks from all across the country that will be joining us as we talk about this from our perspective from from our as a rancher myself and as as you all listening from those of us ranching and producing and and providing the beef to our country into this into the world we're going to be talking about what it means to us and and how we work within that and and utilize that and really find out that there's something about that that probably if we really get down to the brass tacks, we should not be scared of. We're going to be talking about that today. I want to thank our sponsor today of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Bobcat One Tough Tractor. Now, if you'd like to, go to their website, bobcat.com, and you can use their tool there. They have a build and quote tool, and you can design the machine that fits just what you're wanting. Go to their website at bobcat.com, and you can use their build and quote tool to design your machine. Well, as we do in every program, if you join us at the very last segment here today meteorologist Don Day will be joining us as we take a look at our long-term weather what's it look like for the southern part of the country are they going to see a reprieve from those hot temperatures and will we continue to see moisture across the northern tier we're going to talk about that with meteorologist Don Day right now let's check in with the captain publisher and editor of Working Ranch magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents Hey, Justin, all you good folks out there in Radio Land. I'm on deadline today. I'm going to make this short and sweet. Go check on your neighbor. Find out what they're doing, how they're doing. Call somebody in your family that you haven't talked to in a long time. Text them. Go on their Facebook page. Find out how they're doing. Make them feel good. It'll make you feel good. That's my two cents. I got to get back to work. Catch you later, Justin. All right. Thanks, Captain. And yeah, I was wondering whether or not you were going to be able to drop in for this week's Tim's Two Cents as uh, I knew there was another edition of Working Ranch Magazine getting ready to head to print. And folks, if you don't have a subscription yet to Working Ranch Magazine, it's pretty simple. If you go to the website at workingranchmag.com, you'll find a way to subscribe there. Also, you kind of get a taste of what the magazine is all about and why ranchers from all across the country, no matter shape, size, or whatever element you're in find this magazine to be one of the most useful and beneficial publications that they can get in every copy that hits their mailboxes so be sure to check it out at workingranchmag.com well stay with us coming up we're going to get into our featured topic for this week as three ranchers from all across the country as we sit down in a roundtable discussion to talk about sustainability we'll get into it when we come back on the working ranch radio show Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal, Bobcat. Visit bobcat.com. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you here with us. And as we said at the very top of the program, we're going to be talking sustainability. And we've had different guests on our program in the past where we have talked about sustainability from a, from a lot of different aspects, from a scientific aspect, from a, a collegiate aspect, as far as, uh, you know, as a, from the educational standpoint. Today, though, I'm pleased to have three producers joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show to talk about it from the perspective of what it means to them and what it means uh, that I hope can maybe bring some relevance to us as cattle ranchers out here across the country. So joining us on our program today, uh, and they are all part of the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, and I appreciate them joining us. And uh, Debbie Lyons-Blythe with Blythe Family Farms, she is the current chairperson. She will be joining us. Also, Steve Wooten, who's the previous chair of the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef with Beatty Canyon Ranch out of Kim, Colorado. He's also president of the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. And Mike Williams, who's with Diamond W Cattle Company out of Los Angeles County, California. So as you can tell, folks, we do have uh, our guests joining us from all across the country. And to you three, uh, we appreciate you being here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you, Justin. I'm glad to be here. Well, Debbie, let's get started with you first, and we'll kind of work through everybody, because when we talk about sustainability, as as I, as we were mentioning before we started recording our, our conversation here today, when we when we are first approached with the concept of or that terminology of sustainability, I think uh, so much of that kind of goes back to some, some years and years, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, really coming after the ranching industry in terms of, well, we're, we're harmful to the environment or what we're doing there. And we're finding now that what we are doing has some benefits to our climate. But at the same time, sustainability means a lot of different things. And so to you, as you find yourselves, you guys ranch out of the Flint Hills of Kansas there. So my question to you would be, what does sustainable mean to you? Yeah, that's a tough question because just about everybody is going to give their own definition and it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, before I got involved in the roundtable, I think my definition might have been a little less uh, put together, a little less uh, articulate. But basically, it's about being able to do the right thing by Blythe Family Farms that has been going since 1890 and being able to pass it on to my kids and grandkids. It's heritage. It's legacy. It's so important to be able to continue to do it, but that's not really a good enough definition, right? Because what does that mean? What is what? Mm-hmm. What kind of things are we doing to to improve our our legacy and our heritage? So the foundation of the definition at the U.S. Roundtable level is that we take care of the land, take care of the animals, take care of the people, and make money, right? Because if you don't have all of those things involved then you're not going to be specifically sustainable. And I think that is very key for me. And, you know, you mentioned that I'm in the Flint Hills of Kansas. The reason that the tall grass prairie is still here in the Flint Hills of Kansas is because of cattle ranchers. So we do have a great story to tell that we've been working already uh, since the beginning of cattle ranching. Um, We just need to make sure that that gets communicated and that we continue to do a better job every day. Steve, I'm going to go to you next because you were the previous chair of the U.S. Roundtable. You sit in the southeast part of Colorado. Uh, Colorado, of course, uh, there's a lot of, of agriculture in Colorado that's been a part of that that state's history for many, many years. And when you look at sustainability, what does it mean to you as a cattle rancher? Justin, you're a lot, you're right. And a lot like Debbie, we had 
a philosophy, a family philosophy, and it's been three generations of, number one, taking care of the land. Um, it was taught by my grandparents and by my previous generation, and, and now we're in a situation where we're sharing that. And, and so it wasn't called sustainability. It was good practices. It was an awareness. But then came the evolution of the consumer paying attention to what's going and going on and then having the ability to access information quickly. And, and so the term sustainability, whether you like it or not, it is, it is a term that's here to stay. And what we've done with the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef with our goals and the work that we've accomplished so far is to frame sustainability as a definition within the beef industry from pasture to plate. And uh, we, we will continue to do the things that we're doing like so many other producers in Colorado, taking care of the land, taking care of the animals, a real, true, honest regard for animal welfare. But at the same time, there's tools out there that can help us hit that other leg of the table, and that's profit. And so within the, the goals of the U.S. Roundtable, we have shown methods and tools that they can access to increase the profitability of their operations. So when you when you take into account that we're all involved in school boards, the local fire department, uh, as well as our personal businesses, we're involved in the social, environmental, and the prof profitability side of it. And it's, it's just a factor now that is the time that we get to tell our story that offsets Beef's long shadow of a decade ago and the Eat Lancet report, which were all ideologically driven and not necessarily based on science. Mm -hmm. Mike, I want to go to you because you're you're in an area of the country that definitely probably uh, in some ways maybe sets some pace for how society goes and I know you uh, in in as you find yourself in Los Angeles County, California, uh, you're part of Diamond W Cattle Company there and from a sustainability standpoint, you know, that that terminology probably has a lot of different dynamics to it, as we've talked about already. But as you find yourself on the far western side of the country and a little bit more progressive in terms of of way things are, are handled and the way things are dealt with, what does sustainability to mean to you as you're part of Diamond W Cattle Company? Well, the, the term sustainability might be new to ranching, but the concept isn't and it's something that ranchers have been doing for a long time and 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 and, and part of that is learning and adapting when new technologies when new knowledge comes along when new business systems come along uh, and all that all that in, it gets incorporated uh, into into the concept of sustainability or, or survivability as a ranch and and passing that information on and and to your point on one of the there there's some challenges of being uh, trying to ranch near a, near major metropolitan areas but there are also a lot of opportunities um and i found that uh that in my contact with with people from a more urban environment that they just want to know that it's okay to eat beef they like beef and they and they want to eat it they just don't know much about it and they uh they just they want to know that it's that they're not torturing animals or responsible for torturing animals or destroying the environment when they eat their food and uh, and so like the the roundtable and and other organizations uh, 
provide an opportunity to to help reach those consumers through the supply chain and through the retailers and uh, and give them that reassurance and that confidence that they can eat eat our product with a good clear conscience i i think it's interesting to hear your guys's uh, different uh, perspectives on that question because i i honestly kind of felt i i heard three different unique answers which is i think one of the one of the unique one of the things that makes this issue of sustainability kind of really confusing to our industry and so i'm going to throw this question out and i don't know who wants to answer this but and maybe we should have started back to this but in your opinion why do you think our industry has kind of some concern when they hear the terminology sustainability what why is there some concern i think the the concern is mostly based at the producer level yes there are some concerns throughout the live animal side of it and then it changes entirely and and at us on the ground raising cattle taking care of stalkers and feeding cattle the fear is is this going to be regulatory and, and is this going to result in drastic changes to my management that I have to do in order to comply with those regulations? And so getting that message out that everything that was designed in the beef industry supply chain in the roundtable was voluntary, informational, and there as a set of tools in the toolbox called our framework that producers can access to try to help make their business more sustainable, more profitable. So I think I think the concerns are, are regulatory, not so much distrusting the roundtable or the people that serve on the roundtable. It's that underlying, it's tough enough to operate a business at one or 2% margin and find yourself being in compliance with air particle, which just got shot down in Colorado, but we had a bill in Colorado that our dust particles out here in the plains of Colorado would have been out of compliance with EPA air quality standards, but agriculture was exempt and should be exempt. And so those are the kind of worries they have as they see something new coming. Is it is it going to be advantageous to me or is it going to be burdensome to me? Mm-hmm. And I might just add on to that, Steve, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that at the beginning of all of the sustainability conversations, it was exactly um, opposite of the way that it should start happening. So it began top down. The conversations around climate change and taking care of the environment were, were starting at the corporate level or the government level instead of starting at the producer level, Mm -hmm. the people that are boots on the ground, we're the ones that they really should have been talking to from the very, very beginning. And so we actually started the roundtable at a time when it was it was important to change that conversation, to show that producers were very involved in um, the whole concept of sustainability and everything that it goes into it, and that then there was no need to place new regulations on us. So I think that the the conversation has totally changed, and I think you'll even find, you know, when you look at the EPA website agriculture and livestock production specifically is not targeted anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a tremendous win for the science and for the conversation. And and we're making progress. Mm -hmm. I think another, uh, if I just throw in here, uh, another thing that from, from, from my perspective is when I first, uh, when I used to hear the term sustainability, it was usually out of the mouth of somebody that was either opposed to beef production in general, or, Mm -hmm. or it was a a niche market trying to promote in the beef industry, trying to promote their specific production system over beef in general. And, and I think that's where 
I and I think a lot of other producers got that got that kind of bad taste in our mouth about uh, about that term. But uh, I think I think like Debbie said, I think that's changing. And and this this isn't a term or a concept that we as ranchers need to be afraid of. I mean, this this is our deal. It's been our deal for generations and successful ranchers. It'll continue to be the deal regardless of, of what happens. It's just the nature of, of what we do. So, yeah, I think the term we need, we need to take this term and, and make it part of our deal because it is our deal. Mm-hmm. Folks, we're, uh, we have three guests joining us uh, today. Debbie Lyons-Blythe, who's the chairperson for U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Steve Wooten, uh, previous chair. All these folks are ranchers. Also, Mike Williams. And they're representing not only ranchers just in general, but also ranchers from different parts of the country as we look at this issue of sustainability. And uh, we're going to continue in just a moment. We've got more with them as we get uh, continue to go into it about how that relates. And, and really, let's let's we're going to look at this from, a, from an aspect of what we are already doing that probably fits in the confines of what we've been talking about in sustainability. We're going to talk about that when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. At the American Akaushi Association, we're more than prime. The American Akaushi Association was created to help ranchers be more profitable and find opportunities when using Akaushi genetics in their herd. We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi, you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at Akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I dot com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you. We're glad to have you with us today as we're we're looking at this topic of sustainability. And we've got uh, three folks joining us that represent different ranches uh, across the country. They're also part of the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. And in our last segment with them today, we're going to talk a little bit more about that specific group. But uh, in the meantime, we're, we're, we're talking about this. Uh, Debbie Lyons-Blythe with Blythe Family Farms out of White City, Kansas, there in the Flint Hills of Kansas, is one of our guests. Also, she's the chairperson for the roundtable. Steve Wooten, who's a previous chair of the roundtable out of uh, Beatty Canyon Ranch out of Kim, Colorado. That's located there in the southeast part of Colorado. And also Mike Williams with Diamond W Cattle Company out of Los Angeles County, California, is our guest today on our program. And... I want to go now into some specific practices and some things that can be done when we talk about sustainability. And I think you three did a great job in our first segment of, of defining some different what, what it means to you. And, and of course, you all represent different parts of the country. So I thought it was interesting to hear your responses because they were similar but unique in a lot of different ways. Let's go into some specific examples of this. And, and Debbie, we'll go back with you first, because one of the elements that could really be very instrumental in this is a is you know a grazing plan and and putting some things into practice that really probably for some maybe it's things you've been doing but really it's not going to be a far stretch for what we can do uh, for ranching for our industry. You know you're exactly right. So um, when the with the conversation around sustainability first got started was very much um, check boxes. Do you do this? Do you do that? Do you you know just just comparing across the country um, and having the same check boxes. And we realized that that really isn't anything that's gonna work. So um, you have to come up with a way to impact uh, the sustainability or specifically the land, the air quality, greenhouse gases, water, 
all of that, you have to find a way to impact it that is appropriate across the country. And the, the foundational question that we settled on is, do you or your ranch, do you have a grazing management plan and how formal is it? Mm-hmm. So we do here in the Flint Hills of Kansas because um, it it is a written grazing management plan because we are partially transitioning to our next generation. And to be honest, that's a great way to transition knowledge to the next generation. Mm-hmm. I'm working every day with my 27 year old son, and I'm not going to say that he listens to everything that his mother says, even mm. though we get along really well. <laughs> but if it's written down, he will have that to refer to for the rest of his life, right? Mm-hmm. So we have found though, the more formal and the more information you have about how you manage your land, the better you are at managing your water resources, your land resources, and even air and greenhouse gas emissions, but not necessarily in terms of emissions, but we are sequestering carbon. And that is one of the tremendous values that we have with the cow is that they are eating the grass that nothing else can eat. Many times the grass is being grown, especially in the Western half of the United States on land that can't grow crops. And we are able to utilize that land. And then by photosynthesis, we are sequestering carbon and it happens better when cattle are eating the grass. We sequester more carbon. So that's the foundation of what we've uh, set up at uh, the Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is do you have a grazing management plan. Mm-hmm. Steve, I want to go to you next on this because what when I hear Debbie say that, and, and there's a lot of uh, element to that that I think is extremely beneficial in taking the time to sit down and come up with that plan. There's guys that's going to say that, you know what, you know, I don't have it written down. It's all in my head. And they feel like they're complying. They feel like they're compromising to the pressure that's been put on agriculture, put on the ranching industry to adapt and to do things differently. And Steve, I'm going to go to you and say, you know, how do you talk to a rancher and say, no, you're not doing this to compromise or, 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 or cave in to the outside pressures. This is beneficial to your operation. I agree, Justin. And Debbie did a great job covering the, the real definite environmental aspect of it but in terms of a producer that says i have i have a grazing management plan it's in my head that's great that's wonderful but what you what you also in it speaking in southeast colorado and most of the western united states we've been looking at drought since the late 1990s and in and out of drought at, at various different levels several times through every decade and a part of that is how can you structure your business so that you're mitigating the effects of drought and that grazing management plan that is is improved to the point where you're doing some measuring you're doing some actual monitoring of what's taking place out there even if it means bringing in some consultants from your state university or private consultants and and trying to tweak the most you can out of your stressed acreages so that you can stay in production. One of the things that, that I see that happens all too frequently is there's a drastic management that has to happen immediately because there wasn't a plan that took six months or a year in advance what we're going to do, what we're going to prepare for so that if we don't have rain by June 19th, what's going to happen. And so setting up that continuous learning, continuous improvement 
concept of how can I get more out of my operation, those are the tools that we try to supply for those that want to do better for themselves, for their profitability, and for the succession of their family. That, that keeping these ranches in, in good, healthy condition, it sure is inviting for a young couple to want to stay home. But if it's stressed continuously, if it's drastic management decisions, that it seems like everything in nature is out ahead of me, that makes it pretty tough for a young couple that wants to maybe be in the business if it looks like there's no profitability and no chance of really enjoying being out there with your cattle on your ranch and being being proud of what you what you raise. Mm-hmm. Mike, I'm going to go to you because I, one of the things that even in your first answer in the first segment, you really you really understand the dynamics. I believe as you ranch out in in Los Angeles County, California, of the dynamics of of the public's perception on what the ranching industry is. That is really something that I I believe in that part of the country you probably are faced with a, quite a bit more than maybe some other folks. And so, uh, from your perspective the idea that you know what you're doing let's maybe shed the concept of well we're caving in to what the, the the outside pressure is this is something that we're doing because if we don't do something differently we can't be in business down the road i think that's uh that's exactly right it's um and, and the neat thing to me about ranching is that doing doing the right thing by the land doing the right thing by the animals doing the right thing you know, the morally right thing when it comes to ranching is, is always translates in, in long-term viability and long-term profitability. And that's a good place to be, you know? And so, and the better you are at doing that, the better your viability, your sustainability. And, and so the more that the public can understand that, and and when they see that, they do understand that it, it helps us on, on the consumer side to know that it's not to our advantage to destroy the environment. It's not to our advantage to abuse our, our cattle. And, but we, but we need to do a better job. I mean, just because we're doing good doesn't mean we can't do better. Yeah. And that like the plan, like Debbie and Steve are talking about with the grazing management plan and, and different things, that's a way for you to track your progress. And the, the neat thing about, well, like the grazing management plan it is, is that you don't have to have, like okay if you got one in your head right now that's that's great and if you start monitoring a few things and writing that down and and making it a little more detailed and a little more specific you don't have to be the most have the most advanced plan in the industry to get your feet wet and to find some successes and to make some better decisions Mm -hmm. so but but to, to your point i think that's exactly right doing better ranching better is uh we're not caving into anybody to have run better ranches. That's just the right thing to do. You bet. Folks, we're going to take another break here. Uh, my guest today is Debbie Lyons-Blythe uh, with uh, uh, Blythe Family Farms, Steve Wooten with uh, Beatty Canyon Ranch, and Mike Williams with Diamond W Cattle Company. We're talking sustainability. When we come back, they are all with the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. I want to talk a little bit more, guys, about the tools and the resources that are available through that and kind of the direction that you guys are, are, are wanting to see that go and its, and its purpose out there for our industry. We're going to talk about it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. 
A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today from the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is Debbie Lyons-Blythe. She is the current chairperson for that. She uh, and her family ranch out of the Flint Hills of Kansas. Also joining us is Steve Wooten out of Kim, Colorado. He is the previous chair and also president of the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. And Mike Williams, who's with Diamond W Cattle Company out of Los Angeles County, California. As I said, folks, they represent the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and and I want to get a little bit more into that. Uh, all of you have referred to some of the tools and some of the things, the, the intentions of what that uh, organization is trying to do with this. And so uh, I want to talk about some of these tools. Mike Williams, we'll go to you there. Uh, as, as, we, as we said, he's out of Los Angeles County, California. Mike, what are some of the tools that uh, you're, you're implementing, that you're using, that's really kind of come out of this whole U.S. roundtable for sustainable beef? Well, one of the things that, that they do, uh, that the Roundtable's been doing is is they support uh, projects that uh, it will enhance um, beef production and, and, and the sustainability uh, of beef and, uh, and, the re- and ongoing research. And one of the things we were doing here that was supported by the, the Roundtable was uh, a stockmanship uh, and, and using stockmanship in pasture management. We were doing some research on that and uh in in how to get more out of your pasture uh and how to get more out of your cattle through through better stockmanship and and uh and that and so we we had a project that we recently presented on at, there at the round table and uh but then that's one of the things but they're they're supporting projects from uh feed additives and and other other, other kind of research across the country and that's that's a big factor in, in going forward is we want to we want to make sure we get the best research the best understanding of what what works in in beef cattle production and what are some good systems and tools that ranchers can use to make them more productive mm-hmm. um, Steve I want to go to you uh, and then Deb, Debbie I think we'll wrap up with you however if at any point in time you guys anybody wants to throw in a comment after a question please don't hesitate to do that with this U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, we were talking about this earlier, and and that is that you know as as you guys have put together some ideas and some things. Okay, here's some tools. Here's some things that we can be implemented. You sat down at the table with some with some folks to run it by them that probably not very many ranch organizations have sit across the table from, and I want you to explain that a little bit. Sure, Justin. When six years ago, when we stood up the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef to be a industry-wide, supply chain-wide organization. And that includes stockers, cow-calf producers, feedlots, packer processors, retailers. And then we, we said that's not complete. There's other elements that are involved in this. There's the education side. So we invited academia to be a part of it. Uh, we also invited the non-governmental organizations, the environmental 
groups that are known nationally, such as a Nature Conservancy, World Wildlife Fund, Ducks Unlimited, and others. And our thought process there was they may not touch the beef industry, animal, or frozen product, but they have an important aspect to several of our indicators that all this is framed around, and that's air and greenhouse gas, land use, water use, and to a certain degree, they kind of represent the consumer in the animal welfare, health, and well-being of animals. And so we had them come to the table. They had input in the process all the way through. And sometimes some of their comments were a little hard for a producer to listen to, but they sounded a lot like the consumer Mm -hmm. when they were talking about, do you have to hot iron brand? Can you find another way to do that? And the way we framed it and the way we designed it is every sector was in charge of making their own decisions. They could take input from the environmental groups. They could take input from the retailers. But when the cow-calf producers set their goals for land, water, air, greenhouse, gas, employee safety, we were the final deciders on it. And in most cases, everybody's influence was taken into consideration and some level of it was met. Had we have not engaged that diverse group to help us reach our final outcome with these goals, we probably would have had a lot of criticism that we, we didn't allow important aspects to be presented and considered. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we did a great job and we came away from the table learning more about the environmental groups and how they interact with the consumer. And they left, I know they left, fully understanding a lot more about the supply chain from a calf being born on a ranch to when it walks in those doors at the packer processor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's an interesting thing. And I think uh, sometimes we in our industry are kind of don't always want to sit across the table from, from the entities that have been really critical of us. So I, that's an interesting perspective that you brought to that. Debbie, I want to go to you because we've, we've talked about this uh, as you all represent the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. And I want you to wrap this up as far as what, you know, what this organization, we've talked about some of the things that it's doing. Uh, Steve just talked about some of the goals that each of the industry segments were responsible with trying to come up with and so as you all represent the cattle industry the ranching industry as you both as a chairperson and both as a rancher yourself what can we turn to for the, to this organization as a rancher what can we use this for justin i think the foundation of the u.s roundtable for sustainable beef has always been to increase beef consumption in America. Everybody involved in the beef value chain can get behind that. And I definitely can as a cattle rancher. So if you keep that in mind, as you sit around this literal round table with all of those different members that Steve outlined, I think you see that we are all truly working for the same thing. Um, but doing it differently in each of our different sectors. We're focusing on maybe different ways to measure sustainability, to measure our impact um, across the beef value chain. I encourage people who are interested uh, to learn a little bit more about what we've been doing, to go to our website. So it's the acronym U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, usrsb.org. And go to the resources tab. There are two different tools on that resources tab that are really excellent to get you involved in understanding what the conversation is 
around sustainability. And the first one is at the bottom of the page. It's the self-assessment tool. So that self-assessment tool will ask you just a series of questions. Specifically, you can click on the cow-calf sector. It's about 15, 16 questions. Mm -hmm. And it will then come up with a dial to tell you whether you are in the range of what we measure sustainability as green, yellow, red. Mm -hmm. And it will give you an idea of what um, we have identified as how to measure sustainability. Now we have that self-assessment tool for every sector. Um, You could go click on the retail sector and see what we recommend they do to measure sustainability um, that impacts beef, Mm -hmm. right? So that and that tool doesn't save any information. Um, We do not want to be the keeper of data. So we have just created this tool and you can use it and it doesn't save it whatsoever. The other thing on that page, though, that I really want people to look at is at the top of the page, They're called outreach modules. And once again, they're available for each sector. There are some interactive videos. They ask questions. It's in a bit of a format that that can keep your interest. And it will give you more information specifically about what sustainability is. For example, there's a whole module about grazing management plans. So if you want to learn what a grazing management plan could be, We're not saying this is how it has to be. You listen to this module, but then you click on the more information link and that will take you to a place where there are a lot of resources. So people have already been creating this. We don't need to recreate the wheel and put ourselves as the expert. Grazing management plans, you can find out about them from Extension, from land grant universities, from some of these various environmental groups, a lot of different places are helping put together those grazing management plans. But so we have compiled a list of where to find that information. Mm -hmm. Those are these spectacular tools that will get everybody involved and interested in what it means to them. And I think if they go through those two tools, they will learn that really taking care of the land and the cattle and the people and finance, making money is really the foundation of what sustainability is in America. And that is what makes American beef the most sustainable in the world. We've already done a great job, but we have to keep doing better and proving that we're doing better. Well, that's a good way to end it. And I appreciate my guests joining us here on our program today. Uh, Debbie Lyons-Blythe, chairperson of the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef out of out of White City, Kansas. Also joining us is a previous chair, Steve Wooten out of Kim, Colorado, and Mike Williams out of uh, Los Angeles County, California. Thanks to you three. I appreciate you taking the time. I could It was interesting. I could hear wind. I could hear cattle in the background, everything. That's what it means, folks. We're talking to real cattle ranchers here, and I appreciate you three joining us us here on our program today thank you justin we appreciate you giving us the opportunity thanks justin good to be here thank you and one more time i do want to pass along the website for the u.s roundtable for sustainable beef it is usrsb.org is that website Uh, if you want to find out more about it what their goals are uh, if you want to become a member of that also the resources that they have available something I, i do want to pass along here though 
after we had had our conversation and and, uh, and we were just kind of wrapping up, a question that I did not put in that interview with them, and, and it was something that I, I was thinking about as they were going along, and, and I asked about, is, is the goal of this, that this become a certification process, an official certification? And I mean, it was overwhelming. They said, no, absolutely not. This is not a certification. Their goal is not to create more division within the industry, that I'm better than you because I do this sort of a thing that we have seen sometimes within this, that it is not that. It is really about just that, providing resources, providing a mechanism for folks like you and I that are on the ground doing ranching every day, ways and and things that we can implement simply that helps us in our ability to fit the multiple facets of sustainability. As you heard Debbie wrap up there, there are multiple areas of sustainability, whether it's with our land, whether it's with our cattle, whether it's uh, with our customers and our resources, all of it is, is about being in business in 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years down the road. That's really what this is all about. So take a look for yourself. Again, the website is usrsb.org is the website for the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. We'll stay with us. Coming up next, we're going to check in with meteorologist Don Day with this week's look at our long-term weather. Whoa. Herefords are the efficiency experts for a reason. In crossbreeding systems, Herefords boost pregnancy rates by 7% and add $30 per head in feed yard profitability. And Hereford genetics bring unrivaled hybrid vigor, longevity, and disposition. Now that'll stop you in your tracks. Come home to Hereford for more pounds, more calves, and more profit. Visit Hereford.org for a sale near you. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show as we take a look now at our long-term weather. Meteorologist Don Day joining us as you are on the road down in uh, the southern part of the country. It has been hot and dry across uh, fires in New Mexico, record high temperatures in Texas. And it looks like uh, maybe here uh, the start of this coming week, a little reprieve with that a bit. Yeah, certainly it has been hot from the desert states through the southern Rockies and into the the southern plains. There's been a very strong southerly wind flow bringing desert air into those regions. However, the uh, cold front that brought some snow to portions of the Intermountain West and some record cold temperatures, well, there's a good chunk of that cold air that is going to go, and it's going to be a good old-fashioned blue norther, Justin. We're going to have late Saturday, you know, later into this uh, next three or four days. Uh, Some of the areas that have been experienced 90 and 100 degree temperatures are going to be 20 to 30 degrees or more colder, uh, probably through a good portion of the week. Um, So so the middle part of the country, including those southern plains, are going to get a taste of what the northern Rockies just experienced. Mm -hmm. So when we look at long-term weather, it's hard to believe that we're just on the doorsteps of the month of June. It just seems like we started the month of May, but nevertheless, here we are, and we're looking ahead at uh, Memorial Day weekend and and everything that comes in the latter part of May. What are we seeing? Uh, I know we talked about it last week that we're starting to start to see that transition into more of our summer-type weather activity, but as we approach this, what do we see across the country with what we're going to be seeing for weather? Well, I do think that as we go into the last days of May and into the first couple of days of June, uh, some of this cooler weather is going to kind of have a lasting power across a lot of the 48. So we're going to end May 
a little bit on the cooler side. That's also going to mean for the Midwest and the Corn Belt and parts of the South, there's going to be plenty of rain. Um, we're still a little bit behind planting delays in many areas of the Midwest with corn and soybeans. And I think uh, despite the fact there's been a lot of progress here lately, cooler, wet weather is going to move into the Corn Belt. Uh, but we do have some chances, I'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed, that we could see some rain and thunderstorm activity over a good portion of Texas, uh, some areas of Oklahoma. And if things can line up correctly, we're hoping that parts of New Mexico as well. Not all in New Mexico, but I do think the northern counties in New Mexico, the eastern border counties with Texas, uh, there could be some help on the way. Maybe even some of those fires around Santa Fe could get some rain uh, here over the next seven to 10 days. We're going to continue, though, the dryness in California, the mm -hmm. Great Basin states. Uh, those areas will continue to be dry. Now, it's not unusual for this time of year to be dry in that part of the country, but uh, that area of the U.S. is not looking at much in the way of anything. Mm -hmm. Well, I know as we look in the uh, front month, front part of June, I know for my own weather forecasting, I do the fog forecasting. We've talked about it before. <laughs> I am seeing some moisture coming. Of course, I'm kind of in that probably would be considered in that northern tier of the country as we sit right here on the I-90 corridor. So we're going to looks to appear that we're we could be seeing some continued moisture. Yeah, I think that'll continue. The, the northern plains, the Pacific Northwest and the northern Rockies, I think into the month of June, basically the folks who have been getting the precipitation are likely going to be the same areas that have the best chances in the month of June. Now, June is kind of a transition month. Uh, early June tends to be a little bit of a carryover from, from what's left of spring during the first, oh, 10 or 15 days of the month. So you still can see these systems come off the Pacific and be pretty good rain producers for some parts of the U.S. Um, you can still get these slow-moving storm systems that could be quite beneficial. Now, the second half of June, you're starting to really get into the summer pattern. Obviously, you have the longest day of the year, the third week of June there, but we also start to see what we call the North American monsoon get started. That's where we start to see that subtropical moisture come up out of Central America and Mexico and start to bring those thunderstorms that are so important to the desert southwest, Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California, into Southern Utah, Southern Nevada. Those areas during the second half of June will see an increase in thunderstorm activity. And one thing we are looking at, Justin, is we are kind of peering into that monsoon season and what it's going to be like this year. Uh, last year, the monsoon season was actually quite good in terms of producing good rainfall in Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to have as good as a monsoon season in terms of rain production as we did last year. But at the same time, we do see a pretty decent monsoon season coming. So that second half of June, those southwestern states should start to get ready for those afternoon and evening thunderstorms. All right. Well, thanks for checking in with us with a look at our long-term weather. Thanks, Justin. And again, meteorologist Don Day with a look at our weather. By the way, you can find his website at dayweather.com. There's also a link in there where you can find his daily video podcast that he kicks out as well. That's on YouTube. And you can take a look at that to get an idea what the weather is shaping up for the coming days each morning, Monday through Friday, as that kicks out. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this week's show and talk about what I'm working on for upcoming shows when we return on The Working Ranch radio show. 
Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Well, before we head out here and close this episode down on the Working Ranch Radio Show, I did want to give you an idea of what we are working on for an upcoming episode, and that is addressing these higher fertilizer costs. Now, I know when I say that, some of you maybe aren't aren't farmers so much as you are ranchers. Nevertheless, I think there's there's some element within that topic that will be beneficial to whether or not you farm or not. However, if you do, I think there's ways, and we're going to talk about that, where we can utilize livestock or cattle or sheep or goats or whatever kind of livestock you have shoot might be even be chickens where you can utilize that natural fertilization and maybe cut down on some of these higher input costs that are really a part of our agricultural industry here for this year that'll be uh, something that we are working on in an upcoming show before we head out i do want to thank our guest today we talked about sustainability and if you're just joining us i'd encourage you to go back and listen today's episode is episode 71 and we had three ranchers from across the country joining us they are also sit on the u.s roundtable for sustainable beef. Debbie Lyons Blythe, out of uh, a rancher out of uh, the Flint Hills area of Kansas, and also Steve Wooten out of the southeastern part of Colorado, and Mike Williams out of California. We're all joining us on our show. I appreciate them being here. A quick thank you to our sponsors as well Bobcat, one tough tractor. Visit bobcat.com and you can use the build and quote tool and you can design your ideal machine. The Working Ranch Radio Show, it's a production of Working Ranch Magazine. Brandon number one by America's Ranchers and if you don't have your subscription you can simply start it by going to the website at workingranchmag.com and you can start here today. Well if you'd like to get a hold of me about a question you have on the show or an idea for a topic please don't be afraid to send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com or also you can call or text the studio here at 307-363-COWS that's 307-363-COWS we appreciate that. Be sure to join us right here, same time, same place on your favorite radio station or on your favorite podcast provider as well. We appreciate you joining us for this week's episode. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.